0: Hey, hey, welcome back to Best Hour of Their Day. Fern and I have a really phenomenal discussion on today's episode. For a long time, I used to tell people, hey, I can teach anyone how to coach the squat, but I can't teach you how to not be an asshole. And it turns out that's a really, really important aspect to becoming a phenomenal coach. People have to actually enjoy Being around you. It doesn't matter if you can keep your athletes safe, you can improve their fitness, get them performing great. Maybe if you get them a six pack, they'll be happy. But the truth is, they have to be having a good time. And that stems from your ability to display empathy. And it's hard to learn. I was really, really bad at it. You know, if you're listening to this and you were a member of mine in 2007. I was a dick, and it was something I had to work really hard on between learning from people better and smarter than me and really devoting myself to self improvement. It was something I was able to improve, and now I consider myself very, very empathetic. I mean, my wife might not always agree, but I do my best, and I really try to make sure. When you walk into my class, you are there for a good time, and you are going to leave feeling good about yourself and excited to come back. So Fern and I give you some tangible, actionable tips to improve that, improve your presence and attitude. Hopefully that helps. It's a pretty frank discussion, as Fern and I like to keep it fun and flowing, and we hope you enjoy it. And if you do, please head over and leave us a review. We'd greatly, greatly appreciate it. All right, Fern, we're back. Best hour of their day. And in these last couple of weeks, we've gotten some amazing feedback on the guests we've had. I mean, the best coaches in the world, Fern.
1: It's been fun. And I think, I don't know, I feel I feel almost selfish doing the podcast. I feel like I almost do it for me more than more than more than for the for the audience. But it's been cool. I've learned a lot. Like I learned I got some cues from the burger episode yesterday. So I thought that was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was a really fun one because he was just having a good time. I was telling Roz after, when I asked him what he wanted to be when he was a little kid, his, you know, if you watch the video, I put all of our videos up on YouTube, Best Hour of Their Day YouTube channel, and his face just lit up. So it was really cool to see that. But big picture is we're getting feedback on like, hey, all these coaches are saying caring and empathy, are important to coaching. Great. How do I do that?
1: Yeah, that's a and every time we bring that up, I, I struggle to even sometimes discuss that because it's such an abstract idea. It's not tangible. However, it is tangible in some ways. Like there's some there are some common themes that you'll find with people that are caring and that really, really possess high levels of empathy and express high levels of empathy. And if you, if you really dig into the people that are good at that, again, like there's some obvious things that start to pop out. Um, and that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is like, how do we take this kind of big abstract monster of caring or empathy and and give some very tangible pieces of guidance so that people can walk back into the gym after this and start working on that. And uh, it's uh it's not easy. It takes practice, but you can develop empathy. You can start to care more, but it's through intentional actions as a coach every day when you step on the floor.
0: Yeah. You know, for those listening, thinking, you know, this is not something I can get better at. Trust me. I was really, really shitty at empathy and I still am in other aspects of my life. It just happens to be, you know, once, once I'm at the box that that is where I shine, but ask my wife. I'm not always, we got into a fight yesterday because I was not empathetic when it came to you know, something in the house. So yeah, it's something you can improve at, you know, and big picture people say, well, what do you do? And I, you know, big picture, I can't define it. Cause I truly, truly mean this. I just look at every person in my class and think I want them to have the best hour of their day and whatever that means. Now I can see that. I think like anything with experience, you learn that I know that Teresa needs to be pushed this hard. Elliot needs to be coddled a little bit. You know, Nick needs his balls busted. Like those are you, you get to learn your members, but let's give out some tangible pieces of advice to get there as well. And understand, like Fern said, it's a learning process. So you're not going to be great. And one thing, if you're listening to this episode, you should be doing, not just for the caring piece, but just for every aspect of coaching is reflecting on your class at the end of it.
1: Yeah. And I think the first place to start is is just that low hanging fruit is just use names. Like, you know, like we talk about it a lot in the seminar, in the seminar staff. And I've got, so I've got a funny story just, just on names and, and the impact of people using names. I don't know what you, this was probably like 2009, 2010. And we were at what used to be the old um, CrossFit Training Center here in Virginia Beach, which is Tony Blauer's old studio. And we were doing the CrossFit Endurance, what well, was then the CrossFit Endurance course with Brian McKenzie. And we're doing some drills outside. And Tony Blauer's on the course. And mind you, I- I've been around Tony Blauer, I don't know, a handful of times, probably to count them on two hands. And we're finishing a drill. And he's like running by me because I guess I think he was next in line or something like that. And, uh, he just goes, how's it going, Jason? And I was like, damn, this dude knows my name. And then my wife, who's always the bearer of bad news for me, looks at me and she goes, you're wearing a name tag, you idiot. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's, that's fair. Uh, but again, you can't over, you can't overstate how important it is to use people's names, you know, like it, maybe he, he did that because he just read my name tag. But the flip side of that is he went out of his way to read the name tag and use my name when he spoke to me. Right. So if it, it, maybe it was forced and it was intentional, but it doesn't change what the reaction is on the other end of that. So, you know, and, and people get freaked out because they're like, how am I going to remember all these names? Like, I mean, like, they're your athletes, they're in your class. You're going to see them every single day. So when you speak to people, just use their names.
0: Yeah, I mean, that can't be understated. If you're going to take anything from this, use names. And you should know every name of every athlete in your class. And if it takes putting name tags on sometimes, that's fine. But one of the biggest mistakes I see is an athlete comes in a couple times and the coach doesn't know their name, and then they don't ask them for their name. And I used to be guilty of that. Like, oh, shit, I should know their name. It's too late. And now we're just prolonging this and I've gone up to people after meeting them a handful of times and be like, I'm sorry, I forgot your name. It's never been embarrassing, but what's embarrassing, no, embarrassing is when I, you know, the whole, like, I try to introduce my wife type of thing. So I get this person's name and that never works like that. You know, the, yeah, so they
1: don't, they don't introduce themselves.
0: Yeah. So ask their name, say it a couple times, associate it with something and then throughout because you know ultimately, when it comes down to coaching to queuing, we've told you guys you need to be using names you know one one challenge I try to do is I kind of look around the room when I get there, I'm talking to people, then I go to the whiteboard and I try to write down everyone's name in class without looking back to see who's there.
1: I do that all the time like I, if there's fifteen people, I try to do like a quick five second scan and see if I can get all the names on there and I inevitably I'll miss one um, but I think you said something important there, which was. <clears throat> how to remember names. So there's been quite a bit of studies on this and you said something important, which is the accurate part. Uh, it's been shown that saying somebody's name multiple times doesn't actually help. Not going to It's not going to increase the probability of you remembering their name. Association, however, will increase the probability of you remember their name. So how do I create association? Well, that goes into the second piece of using names, which is ask questions. So, when you're asking them their name, find out something else about them. You know, so for instance, if I was coming into the gym and I didn't know you, you're clearly a new athlete in the gym. I'm going to say, Hey, my name is Jason. Um, what's your name? And you would say, Jason, I'm like, Hey, Jason, like tell me a little bit about yourself. What do you do? And you would say something to the tune of I'm a firefighter. And immediately I'm going to be like, Jason's a firefighter, like Brendan and Doug are firefighters. And now that's my association is that Jason is now associated with Brendan Doug. And now that name will stick purely because there's an association attached to it. So when using names, a good way to start remembering names is you have to ask more questions. And there's a really good book called Ask More that talks about asking questions and stuff like that. Um, But that's the first thing that you can do is just start asking more questions so that you can know something about them other than just a name.
0: Yeah, if we're taking the next step into this evolution, if you will, you have to know your members' names. Step one, if you're coaching, there's your quick evaluation on your class. Did you remember everyone's name? And to that point, I'll come home after I coach and Roz will be like, how's class? And I will literally say something about every person in that class. You know, Eric did this, you know, Joey did that. But then like you said, follow up. Two two people that we've interviewed that haven't come out yet, Pat Barber and Chuck Carswell. So Chuck Carswell is notorious for telling us on staff, always ask one more question. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, you you're deep into a conversation dig for one more question and then recently I spoke with Pat Barber and he had a great statement similar to what you just said he referred to it as Ford if you're not sure what to talk about it's uh, family occupation recreation and dreams you know so you should know all four of those about every athlete that walks in so you know this time I talked to Fern I'm like hey what do you do you know and he's like I'm a firefighter cool now I know his occupation next time he walks in, Hey, do, you know, does your brother come here? No, no, I don't have any brothers. I have two sisters. Oh, cool. Now I know that about you. Those are the types of things that, you know, we talk about associating names. Great. Now you're getting to know your athletes and what, you know, when you find out someone's a firefighter, I immediately realize, okay, some days they're going to come in tired. No, you know, anybody that's on shift and, and I asked them about that, you know, Thinking about members at our respective boxes. I have, we have a woman, T- Teresa, who has a kid, and she brings her, she brings him once in a while. His name's Samuel. So, first of all, not only do I know her name, I know her kid's name, I know her husband's name. I just coach at a box. I don't own a box right now. And it's just because I've made those associations and it's important to me. And now I have questions I can ask her. And every time you you know this, Fern, and the, the listeners should know it. You see the change in their expression when you ask about this, because most people in their lives don't get people asking about them at all. And I know, like, for example, I've messed up at the end of my day when my wife was like, hey, do you want to know about my day? Like that to me is like, oh, damn, I done (laughs) done fucked up. (laughs) Right. And it's the same thing here in class.
1: Yeah. You just have to ask questions. And this is, you know, how to win friends and influence people is one of the characteristics that every human being is they want to hear their name. So, uh, so this is something I practice on a regular basis. And, and speaking of Chuck asking one more questions, he was around one time when I did this and he kind of gave me the nod. We were at Starbucks one day. So if you are embarrassed to kind of practice this in the gym, you can do it virtually anywhere you go. So think about the number of times you go into a, place where you're getting service and the person who is serving you has a name tag on. So whatever, Chick-fil-A, Starbucks, Target, Walmart, Whole Foods, whatever. Every single one of those places, the employee has a name tag on. So go out of your way when you check out from there to say, thanks, Jason. Thanks, Bob. Thanks, Susan. Thanks, Karen. And then take note of the reaction that that person gives you when you say their name because you went out of your way. So that's just a way to practice and be really intentional about it. Because in that scenario, it's not weird if you read their name tag. Like you literally don't know that person. So that removes a little bit of the anxiety involved with like getting, getting to know people. And here's another way to practice that kind of awkward interactions. Like you're going to see some names written that you can't pronounce. So simply just ask the person say, Hey, how do you pronounce your name? And they're going to be like, whatever it is, you know, it's Katrina spelled in some, in some non-standard form. And and they're and you're like, Oh, that's cool. I've never seen it spelled that way. That's cool. I'm going to remember that now. So there's lots of ways outside the gym to practice that skill. But I did that one day in Starbucks and I was like, you know, thanks Susie. And Chuck kind of looking at me and like, nice. <laughs> and I was like, I'm practicing bro.
0: It, and it's true. Like this is real world advice. You know, funny thing is, I worked this past weekend and it was Mother's Day and I was with Connor Murphy. We're checking out of the hotel and it's this older woman named Eileen. And she says to us, you know, first of all, I remember her name because I did the same thing. And she's like, oh, you guys aren't gonna eat any biscuits, are you? And Connor and I looked at each other like, no, ma'am, we're not gonna have any biscuits. And she's like, I'm gonna have three biscuits when I get off shift. And I got diabetes, (laughs) she said that. (laughs) <laughs> and Connor and I looked at each other like, should we tell her she could do something about that? <laughs> but it was just like we were just like, All right, Eileen, have a great day. But it's funny, you're right. Like use those names and, and and joke around with people in that way. And you know, when we're at a seminar, one of my favorite jokes to people is, you know, someone will come up like a name like that, Katrina, and it's spelled weird. And I'm like, did your parents do that on purpose just so you have to explain that for the rest of your life? Like, you know, or, or someone will come up with like a, you know, we're both Jason's spelled the appropriate way, but inevitably someone will be like J A S -S I N. And I'm like, why do you spell it wrong? You know, but those are the types of things that you're making these associations with them. It's not just about repeating their name, but it's about saying their name and, and making that association and, it's, it's great on the level one and level two staff. We are all really known for remembering 50 or 60 names by the end of one day.
1: Yeah, that's usually the goal. It's tough to do, but that's I know generally a flow master will throw that out and be like, hey, let's make sure, like try to remember all every name, see if you can get everybody's name um, by the end of the day. So, um, So that's the first thing, right? So names, ask questions is kind of the second piece. The the third piece as far as like empathy, there's a, there's an interesting book called The Charisma Myth. And if you haven't read it, it's kind of a dry book on the front end. But once you get to the back end, there are some, there's some nuggets in that book. And what they talk about is that largely in society, we view charisma as a natural uh, character trait. When in actuality, it's not. All of these things can be practiced, like things that we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. And when you practice them, they become more natural, and then the the interactions don't seem nearly as full. So there's a couple of things about in the charisma, Myth, which is a obviously using names is one, um, and then there's two more in there that I that I remember. I can refresh myself in the book, but body language is one. You know, so just generally how you stand, and I'll dive into a couple of those in just a second. So how you stand. And then how we say things. So how I phrase things when I say them. Let's talk about body language first. So there's obviously like open and closed body language. So from a coaching standpoint, I love to cross my arms. However, crossed arms is a closed body position. It generally gives the impression that I don't want you to come talk to me. So I'm constantly getting myself to uncross my arms because I know that shows maybe not aggression, but for some people that will it will look like aggression. So if if that's you with your arms crossed, get your arms on the cross. The other thing is hands in the pockets. And this is big in the military because I don't know why it's big in the military, but they say it's unprofessional. I still haven't figured out how having your hands in your pockets is unprofessional. But um, it does give the sense that I don't care. Right? So if you watch a coach who's standing on the floor with their hands in their pocket, my initial thought is this guy or gal doesn't give a shit. Like they're they're so bored that their hands are in their pockets. So if you find yourself with your hands in your pockets, get, them, get your hands out of your pockets. If you're wearing shorts or sweatpants with zippers on the pockets, zip them up so that you physically cannot put your hands in your pockets during class. What that's going to do is that's going to force you to interact more. It's going to force you to move around because you're going to feel a little bit jittery. Because hands, arms crossed or hands in your pockets is a state of comfort, at which point like I will be comfortable and I will not move as much. So put yourself in a mildly uncomfortable scenario by uncrossing your arms and get take your hands out of your pockets. And then you're going to have this urge to move around more and interact. So those are the two things that I would tell you. There's some other stuff in there about mirroring, uh, mirroring other people's body language uh, and then uh, how you stand. So squaring up to somebody versus kind of uh, standing off to an angle kind of gives better impression that way. Nicole Carroll is notorious for this and she's really good at it. When you talk to her, if, you, if you're if you hip to this, like she always, and you've had a lot of conversations with her just as I have, when I'm talking to her, I feel like there's nobody else in the room. And it's generally because when I start talking, she kind of turns to the side and then she leans in and I don't know if she's interested, maybe she's not, but she sure just seems interested when I start to talk to her. So some of that is practice, Some of some of that you have to literally intentionally kind of force yourself to be engaged in those manners but all that stuff takes practice you know how you stand what your body language looks like i have resting dick face yeah like i always look angry i don't don't like how you agree with that but
0: no i mean if people don't recognize PCUA a i always put up like i said the videos are on youtube so you can see us interact but fern definitely has resting dick face like (laughs) people think you're a dick but we know that you're not but it's funny, like, and and you know, we all have our friends that are like that. And it's like, what's wrong? Uh, nothing. This is just my face.
1: Yeah, that's my face. <laughs> it always brings always brings up stepbrothers. Can I can I do something about that? No, just your face, man. <laughs> um, so I, I, I'm aware of that. So what I'm doing is I'm constantly trying to force myself into a smile, and that and that forced smile seems really awkward at first. It probably seems like a kill a serial killer smile the first when you practice it. Because it sounds dumb, but smiling takes practice. And I've done this before where I just go to the mall with no intention of buying anything and I just walk around and smile at people. Sounds weird, but I have to practice because that's not my natural facial expression is to smile at people. So again, you can develop empathy, but it does take practice.
0: Yeah, and a couple of things you've said there is one, even at your high level of coaching, you're still putting yourself in these scenarios and working on it, be it at Starbucks or be it at the mall. and And most importantly, you're aware of it. You know, I I think from that book, you, you've said a lot of great pieces, but really start with one thing, keep your hands out of your pockets and uncross. Like I don't know what to do with my hands type of scenario, right. Be there for me. I know oftentimes I find myself with a marker in my hand. You know, I go to the whiteboard, I write, and then I keep that marker for some reason but I know that it keeps for some reason that keeps my hands kind of out of my pockets and engaged. And then ultimately I I put it down. Don't be that coach that's walking around with PVC. Like, you know, I always refer to that as like Moses, like you're trying to part the seas there in class. Maybe it's a little
1: bit. Yeah.
0: I mean, that can be a little strange as well. So I think we've left our, our listeners with three really good nuggets and let's, let's recap. All right. We're developing empathy. We're showing our athletes we care by using their names, asking one more question, and having charisma. Meaning, just for right now, hands out of the pockets, hands not crossed, moving around. Would you? Would you agree with that? And and like you said, Nic- Nicole Carroll is noto- notorious for it. But yeah, you can, we don't even know if she gives a shit. Sometimes you, you just it's the perception.
1: Yeah. I think I feel like she cares and that's really all that matters to me. I feel like she cares. I don't know if she does or not. She probably doesn't. I'm not saying anything of importance to her when I talk to her, but I feel that way. And that's all that I care about, particularly from a leadership standpoint. So yeah, those are the big things. And and if you're not aware of what your personality is or you think you are, ask a lot of the members in the gym, Hey, like how do you perceive me when I'm in the gym? Like, tell me. And some people are going to be like, well, You look angry all the time. I'm like, oh, shit. I thought, I'm a happy guy. And they're like, I'm sure you are, but you look pissed off. So you may have to ask people who are going to be super honest with you so that you can just be, get a really, really good sense of how you're actually perceived and not how you think you're perceived.
0: Yeah. And, And, you know, just to tie a bow on this, I'd say, and then at the end of class, you know, say goodbye to everybody, whether it's a high five, a fist bump, a good job, send them off feeling good about what they've did because maybe they had a shitty workout, you know, give them something they did well, you know, Hey, but you've never strung 10 pull-ups together. Or, you know, I felt like you pushed really hard on that. Like great job. Or, or, or maybe they really did shitty and it's like, cool. I want you to come back in tomorrow and I want you to, you know, push harder and I want you to be a, be a new person here, you know, give them something to, to, to leave with and to know that you care and you're thinking about them. You mentioned, you mentioned earlier, you know, you could also shoot a text, shoot an email, but if we're just trying to keep it in the class right now, you know, I walk around after every class, whether I've done it or I've coached it and give every single person a high five. Cause it's like a team.
1: Yep. And if, if that's not you, if you're not a high five person, I would urge you to just start doing it and see how it changes the environment in your gym. High five has changed the world, man.
0: Yeah. I, um, strangers are not, you know, I'm walking around class and I just, that's what I do if you're a germ phobe, which I'm slowly becoming, you know, fist bump, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think people really recognize that. And this would be a great way for you as you know, and I think this is really just a life lesson as a nothing we've said here shouldn't be applied to the real world.
1: Yeah, and that's where you start, right? Is it, it's easier to mess up with strangers than it is to mess up with people that you know. So start in those other interactions that you have on a daily basis. And then take those in because it's easier once you're more comfortable with the interaction with a stranger than when you are interacting with people that you actually give a shit about.
0: Yeah. And then if you start doing this at home, your wife will first be like, What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? You're acting weird. <laughs> you're being nice. You care about me. And then, <laughs> and then it'll just be who you are. You can't help yourself. And I find my, I, this is a true story. Sometimes I find myself just being nice out in the real world. And I'm like, What's wrong with me? Why am I so nice? Like that's because I spent years not being that person, so it's it, and I'm sure you can kind of relate to that. you're just like, "Wow, I am a nice person, and it's just who I am this at this point in my life, but it it didn't happen overnight, and I certainly wasn't born like this and it didn't start till I was you know honestly, I can pinpoint it to two thousand and seven when I started coaching CrossFit, and it was a slow slow straight trajectory, but it was a um, it was a grind, and it took work so I think that was a great episode to teach people how to care.
1: Yeah. And this is part of that presence and attitude. If we're talking about the six criteria of the coach, right? That's what it takes. Work takes practice. Just like the other five.
0: Yeah. And then people like to say, we can't teach that you can, you can learn it and you can teach it. And that's what we do. And that's what we do well. So yeah. If you, if you have any other questions, feel free to reach out to us. Like I've said a couple of times, we post all of these on YouTube. Our new site is coming along and we've got some great stuff coming your way, including interviews with both of the people that we referenced today, Chuck Carswell, Pat Barber, and quite a few other great ones. But um, as always, great chatting with you, Fern. Thanks, brother. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us, and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your coworkers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about, people you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of best hour of their day.